Welcome to Slammed, a Boston Celtics podcast covering the Celtics and the NBA at large. I'm Megan Adelini from WEI, joined by Esteban Bustillo and of GBH, of course, and Justin Turpin of WEI. Okay, right before we start recording, I just want to dive into this from the jump. Justin, you just went ice fishing. Derry, that's how you spent your NBA All-Star break. Yep, that's exactly how I spent my NBA All-Star break. Just did some ice fishing with some buddies up in New Hampshire. It was, it was awesome. Okay, so did you have like one of those little huts that's set up on the ice? No, we didn't do all that. We didn't do all the huts and stuff. We just had chairs around the hole. That's all we did. And how long does an ice fishing adventure last for you and your friends? We did it all day. We were out there all day long. It was freezing, especially because like mid through it started to actually snow. So it was mm-hmm. freezing, but it, it was so worth it. We caught a couple pickerel, nothing crazy, but it, it was still fun. You so you actually caught stuff? Yeah, we did. We caught three fish. Yeah, which was way more than I thought we were going to catch. I didn't think we I didn't think we were going to catch anything. To be honest with you, I thought we were. Just did you toss them back or did you make them? Oh yeah, no, yeah. Oh no, no, no. We we toss them. Catch and release. Always catch and release. Yeah. I this is this is wonderful. I will say uh the I am not much of a fisher. Uh, uh the only the last time I went was actually after game 7 of the 2013 NBA Finals when the Spurs lost to the Heat and me, my future brother-in-law and one of my best friends from high school, we were just like, "Well, we're all sad, so we're just going to go fishing at like 1:30 in the morning." So fishing fishing has uh has some some mixed emotions for me. It was sad night fishing. Sad night fishing. Uh, okay, but a good memory, uh, despite despite the circumstances. Would not do would not do ice fishing. Uh, I'm not I'm not built like that. I'm sorry, Terb. That that sounds wonderful. I, I had so many layers it. on. It was it was it was still cold because we were out there for <laughs> yeah. so long. For the first for the first while, I was all right, and then it was like, wow, it's getting really cold because there was literally a snowstorm that came in like right in the middle of it. Just like yeah. started like really coming down and snow. I was like, all right, this is awesome until it went away. And now you're wet and then you're even more cold. So it was still fun, though. I, I know we got to get into it, but do, do you it cut just the ice? You think of like Fargo. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We cut the ice. It was like seven inches of ice, too. So it was like tough to get in there. Like it was, Jeez, we did have like a little little makeshift auger that we use we didn't have one of those electric ones there was some guy on the other side you could hear it like kind of sound like a lawnmower kind of like running ripping through the ice i was like i might have to go ask him if we can use his because this little makeshift one's taking like 10 minutes to make a singular yeah. hole but it was worth it I like and it. this is something you've done a lot no that was my first time i so i do a oh, ton okay, of fishing okay. but that was my first time doing ice fishing so going in i didn't think we were gonna catch anything i thought we were just gonna be sitting out in the cold and it was gonna be a big waste of time but we, we got three fish so it worked out so when i think of fishing i have also mixed memories esteban because before my little brother was born we my family went to the outer banks in north carolina every summer and my dad would insist on taking me deep sea fishing where you go out deep in the ocean on a big boat and right. fish out there. And I got so seasick every time. <laughs> I think I went like three or four years and you have to wake up at the crack of dawn to go out. And it was just yeah. awful. It was like I, the worst. I'd always just end up, you know, laying down on a bench with <laughs> Gatorade or something on the deck. It was so bad. That's so, a whole different animal. Yeah, I'd like to do like fishing, fly fishing though. That's fun. That it's difficult, but it's a it's 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 fun. But like deep sea fishing, I did it in the summer. Literally everybody on the boat was laying down or 
belly over the boat throwing up. It was crazy. Yeah. It, in it was, I've never seen anything like it. I was like, I, even I felt it for a little bit. I was like, wow, I'm going to like throw up. I was like, it was totally different. It was, it was interesting. Yeah. For a long time, I was like, I can't do boats because I always just thought of getting that deep sea, bit, like fishing sick. Turns out everybody gets sick deep sea fishing. So I like it. I like it. Are any of the Celtics into fishing? Do we know that? It seems like for Zingus, that's something he would do. Yeah. I, I could see uh, who else would be like Hauser. Back in the day, I could see like Grant being a fisherman, but of course oh, yeah, now he's. Sense. Yeah, he's right, away right. so we don't try to think back name. to like the bubble when they were all trying to catch fish on the dock <laughs> and like they could barely <laughs> handle them and they all were like flopping back in the water but yeah. i don't remember any celtics particularly like i remember i feel ben like jalen yeah jalen oh, would yeah. be like philosophically opposed to fishing i could, I could see him do it as like a meditative practice actually oh i could just that. throw it back yeah well let's get that get to basketball because Celtics <laughs> got back to basketball last night um, against the Bulls. Not a lot of takeaways for me from that game. I think what is more interesting is the media car wash that Jason Tatum went through this week, uh, basically on the back end of All-Star break after the All-Star game. He had this big interview that he had with Malika Andrews. And um, in it, he talked a lot about some lingering biases that he feels he might be suffering from in the 2022 finals, his performance there, and also some of the accomplishments that he had um, just in his young career up to 25 now. And so I want to start here um, because obviously a big part of this is this conversation as to whether Jason Tatum can be the next face of the league after LeBron. That's something that's been out there a lot this week. Jason Tatum's standings in the MVP race and also whether, you know, it's championship or bust for him this season, his seventh season in the NBA. Um, I'll start with, do you guys feel like there is some kind of lingering bias towards Tatum because he hasn't been the greatest in some of these recent big spots, whether it's uh, game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year when he rolled his ankle early in the game and was injured and ended up, you know, his team losing that game to the Heat or whether, of course, it was that 2022 performance when he had a quasi-collapse no-show in the finals against the Warriors. Yeah, is all this stemming, it, correct me if I'm wrong, is all this stemming from one of the shows at, at all star was, was this where the, the sort of the latest discussion came up? I think it really took off when Stephen a endorsed it. I think he put it on his like a list thing. And then people kind of started actually talking about it. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, always, uh, always instigating something. It seems uh, around those parts. Um, I mean, he, we're going to get into the sound. I know later, um, but he, he did mention like, it's, it's kind of difficult to at least in his eyes to be judging him on stuff that happened last year two years ago i mean if we're talking about right now if we're talking about the mvp race that part shouldn't be relevant um if we're talking about like whoever takes the face of the league next i mean you probably need to have a championship to to do that first uh and you know it's it, it lebron steph KD, I would all say, are, are sort of around that current face of the league. And now you have Giannis, Jokic. So if, I think if he wants to go up to that next level, I would say 
uh yeah to, to your question is championship or or bust it, it is difficult though when um yeah, when, when you have that that narrative, a narrative I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, I don't necessarily think like last year or even the year before was his fault, quote unquote. There was a lot that went into those those two losses. Definitely. I think the championship part is the most interesting to me because I know there's a lot of people who follow the Celtics fans or media who look at it and go, oh, my God, you guys talk about being in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> like it's something that you should hang banners about. That was always the knock before they got to the 2022 finals. Now it's, you got to get back, get over that next hump, win a championship, because I think the expectations for this group are, it's not just one championship. It, you should have more than one with how much you're about to spend on Jason and Jalen and what you've put around them. I would, I don't know if you guys agree. I think that that's what the expectations are. Start with one championship is kind of 100%. the feeling. For Tatum individually, I, I went through and I, you know, I'm not the first person who's done this exercise, but I do think it in this era of the NBA, it's helpful. So you look at some of Tatum's peers in terms of guys who would be faces of the league after LeBron retires. Uh, Giannis, he got his first championship in year seven. He was 27 years old. Um, he got his first MVP in his league year six when he's 26. Jokic, obviously first championship in his eighth year in the league. He was also 27, his first MVP in league year six. If you look back, what I think, especially for a certain kind of Celtics fan, you know, older generation, what frustrates them with Tatum is trying to compare it to someone like Bird or Magic who are winning championships in their first two years in the league and then back there all the time. I, I feel like that's not really comparable. I, I even look at like Jordan not winning until his seventh year yeah, and, he was 28. and being in his really, we're talking about this NBA prime again, Jordan's a different era, I believe of the NBA, but this prime, I believe think for this modern era is really between 26 and 32. Like that's when you should be getting the bulk of your work done. And that that's what made Kobe so interesting is that he had this very early era with Shaq where he has his championship first in year four. And then his much later years where all of a sudden he has this Brady, like Tom Brady, like burst right. of his championships then. So, and he didn't get an MVP, I think until uh league year 12. And so I look at Tatum and I go, he's in his window for sure right now. The Celtics overall are without a doubt in a window right now. Tatum's in a in his real window. And if anything, you could say, okay, league year seven, that's about where his contemporaries are. He's slightly ahead of schedule in terms of what his playing prime should be if he stays healthy. So maybe we can all like take a breath. He should get it this year. He should get his first championship. But for him individually, I think he's just about right on schedule. Because he's 25, right? He's he'll yeah. be 26 next month. Next month, yeah. Um, I I think yeah, the, all, all these points you you made are fair. And you know, you, you, when you look at like championships, so much of it is context around now, like who your team is, how the rest of the league is. Uh, so and we we, we want to make simple narratives out of these complicated you know structures that 
these players have to go through to get to uh, to get to this highest level of of, of winning championships in the NBA. Um, and I, I think you know that obviously a lot of this is, is centered around the MVP conversation. Um, that's that's right now. It's it's just I think it's a difficult award to win when you have uh, especially this year uh, you have so many really talented players. Uh, I think he's currently fifth in uh, in the rankings. Do, do y'all feel like that's where Tatum should be, or should he be higher than that? So first, I want to play two pieces of sound because the first one is Tatum essentially talking about his MVP position and maybe what he's getting criticized for, which we talked about a lot, is the 2022 finals bias. And then last night after the Bulls, the victory over the Bulls in Chicago, he was asked about that again, and he kind of clarified where he's coming from. I felt that, that, um, you know, why hasn't he won? You know, his window has closed. Mm -hmm. And it's it's tough when you have success early, right? Because I've been to the finals once. I've been to the conference finals four times. So it just seems like, you know, he should have done this, done that. Um, and I was just doing those things at a really young age. Yeah. Um, now I've had some really good teams and I've been a part of some really special runs. Uh, but I truly do believe my time is coming and it's going to be well worth it. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about that the last couple of days. Uh, and, you know, those guys are putting up ridiculous numbers every night. Um, and doing a lot for their team. Uh, you know, I have no problem with those guys being the leaders of, you know, the MVP race. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't saying that, you know, I needed to be first. Uh, I just had a problem with, you know, some people on TV saying that, you know, the reason why I, I won't win this year is because of something that happened two years ago. Uh, that was my only disconnect. Uh, there's a lot of talented guys in this league right now. It's a lot of guys doing great things. Um, you know, I, I won't have the points per game that, you know, the other three, four guys will. But I think, you know, the voters are smart enough to understand the dynamic of our team. You know, essentially having to do less, you know, scoring maybe on certain nights, uh, but still impact the game in a lot of ways to, uh, you know, kind of ensure that we win every single night that we're in, you know, first place that we're trying to be the best team that everybody on my, on the team feels valued, right? That is, it's not just about me. Uh, Cause we, you know, I'm going to need everybody, uh, you know, down the stretch, um, you know, we're going to need each other for what we're trying to do, um, you know, to try to win a championship. So look, I just don't think that it's Tatum's year for MVP. And I think that's okay. Again, it's unusual because if you look through uh, the faces of the league, I keep putting this in quotations because that's what people are using the phrase of. But when you look through these stars, a lot of them win the MVP before they win the championship. But that's not the way it has to go. And I think Tatum will be penalized in this competition for three things. Two of them are related, which one of them is, okay, his stats are going to be lower than somebody like SGA. Uh, his stats are going to be lower than a lot of guys who are up there with the um, exception of if Kawhi gets back into that top five when we're talking about the MVP ladder. And the other thing is just he's he's part of the best starting five in the entire league. And, you know, I don't think he's complaining about that. Uh, the final thing is, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is like 
the guys who are in contention for MVP are putting up the most ridiculous single game stats where you have games in the 60s in terms of points. You have a 70 point game. I don't see that for Tatum this year. We've seen him put up 50 plus multiple times, even in the playoffs. I just, I don't think that should really matter to him. I think it's interesting when he talks about MVP doesn't consider like the idea of the sacrifice that some of these players have to do. He's taking on a different role this year. He's definitely picking his spots. You saw it even last night in the third quarter, he explodes all of a sudden with 15 points at one point in there. Um, so I, I, it's all to say, I just don't think it's this year. It's this year for him. And I think that's okay. Like this is the role that he's supposed to play on. Hopefully a championship team. Yeah. Uh, to that point, Terp, how do you think of the MVP? Because I know there's a debate of rather it should, if it should be the best player or the player who does the most for, for their team. So how, how do y'all think of it? I look at it as like, if it's the best player on the best team should be getting more consideration. But the thing is like these voters all have different opinions and that's why there's always going to be different votes. That's why you never really see unanimous MVPs. And when you look at it, like, yes, his stats are down, but they're not necessarily down. Like they're, they're nothing crazy, like less than anyone else, like 27, eight and four is still pretty good. Especially when you consider, you know, what he's working with and the talent, like that sacrifice. These guys aren't robots. Like I think they take into account, like this is a loaded team and Tatum has to kind of take a lesser role and he's done that and he's doing a great job as a leader as well. So the way I look at it is like, there's never going to be clarity. Like that's the thing is because all these different people have different perspectives. So that's going to always be the tricky part. But I do think in my opinion, the best player on the best team should warrant more consideration. Yeah. Megan, uh, how do you, how do you sort of think of the, the, the calculus of, of how you, how you consider MVP? So I think it should be a season award. And I think that's part of when you listen to Tatum, what his issue is that he feels like he's being penalized for something from two years ago. I don't really feel that way. Again, I think he's just addressing something that got him pissed off that he saw on TV. Kind of surprised he even saw it. <laughs> I guess, you know, it was over all-star break. So he has some extra time. I, I, I think like the thing that bothers me more than anything with the MVP race is the idea of voter fatigue and we need to show some variation year to year. Like it's such, I'm sorry, it's such crap that Jokic didn't win it last year when he was so clearly the best player yeah. in the entire league to the point where, you know, it's in the finals and you're going like nobody does what this guy does. And that's not to knock Embiid. But it, it feels like what Embiid did last year was the opposite of what Tatum is doing this year in terms of trying to just have an MVP season. I'm not saying that's all he was doing, but it felt like in, even in the moment, not just in hindsight, that that was what his goal was, the primary goal last season. And also, that of course, that helps his team win a lot of games. Best yeah. player on the best team, I don't. I don't think it should be any single criteria. If it's best player on the best team, then of course it's Tatum. And then we should be sitting here at the end of the regular season with two weeks left and Tatum should be far and away the way that the Celtics are far and away in terms of other above other teams in the league. I think it's, there's a good argument for what SGA is doing and just yeah. having that consistent performance 
night in and night out and how he's really changing the conversation around that team. If you're somebody who follows the league overall, there's all these different considerations. I still don't think that like any one thing just because Tatum's best guy on the best team is that is that enough for him to be crowned MVP this year? No, because yeah. like and I always say it like this. If, if Tatum, heaven forbid, went down, do the Celtics still win around? Are, are you saying do they or are you saying they do will? they? Yeah. Oh, I think they can win a round. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, that's that's I think yeah, so I too. So like if you go through the whole exercise, if SGA goes down, does OKC win around? Probably not. Right. If if Jokic goes down, does Denver win around? Probably not. Right. Like this is this is kind of what I think about when I think about who what your value to your team is. It's not to take away from Tatum. It's just there's so much around him. It's such a powerhouse starting five. It's not just about narratives. I just don't think it's the year. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's interesting. This is kind of feels like it feels similar to the uh, to the WNBA All Star vote last year, where you had three major stars with uh, with with uh, Asia Wilson. Uh, you had Brianna Stewart and Alyssa Thomas, and they all had very the interesting, unique cases why they should be MVPs. And I think you could do similar for pretty much anybody in this race right now. Everybody has a unique case. Um, and I think you just kind of have to to parse it out. I I sort of lean towards SGA, maybe even Luca, just based on like everything they're doing for their teams and making them contenders. Um, but that's uh, yeah, that's 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 just really going to vary on on who you are. Yeah, and I don't think the like the best player on the best team is an end all be all, but I do think like his stats are like still pretty good. Like there's nothing to scoff at there, and I think like that does just warrant a little bit more consideration and looking forward if Tatum is going to like make this MVP push right now like the momentum's hot like if he wants to continue it now's the time to do it when they're about to go on a streak of seven consecutive national TV games eight of their next 10 like he's going to have the national spotlight to really push this agenda when people are really starting to buy into it so if he's going to kind of close the gap and make things a little bit more interesting this is the time to do it and uh last night I thought like he was good in the third quarter, but like if he plays like he did in the first half over these games, it's it's just going to plummet. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, should we move on to Take Flight and do all of our all-star talk there? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Take Flight. So this is the section of the podcast when we go around the league or just some quick hits with the Celtics themselves. But obviously the Celtics had a really prime position in all-star weekend, starting with Jalen Brown and the dunk contest. Quick takeaways from you guys. Did Jalen Brown do more to help or hurt the cause of bringing more stars into the dunk contest? Because this has been a very divisive issue. It's been um, maybe more negative feedback than you think somebody like Jalen Brown would get in the dunk contest. I actually thought he did pretty good. I mean, uh, I know there was a lot of um, Twitter pushback, uh, but the dunks he was he was doing were not 
easy. Um, I, part of it may be like something like when he did the whole Terrence Clark tribute on the the video uh, floor, I guess. Um, that was really cool, but people outside of Boston may not understand the significance of that moment. Um, but even outside of that, I thought the dunks were athletic. He he wasn't doing just easy stuff. Uh, when you saw it on replay, I was like, oh, actually, this was this was pretty good. So I thought I thought it was actually. I thought it was a good effort. I but Mac McClung, I I agree with him him winning overall. I think uh, the one he did where he like he let go of the ball and then got it again. That was like that was cool. So you, you have to give him props for that. I thought it was cool too. I thought he had some cool dunks and he walked away healthy, which is obviously the most important thing. But like I love how he used the the kind of the dunk contest as like a vehicle to really like kind of show his creativity. Like Jalen really takes pride in like being a creative guy and doing all that like with the left-handed dunk the terrence clark like that stuff was really cool to me i did think some of the scores were a little bit higher than maybe they should have been and i think maybe that might have been a little star power favoritism there where they're kind of throwing them a bone being like all right you're helping us out participating we're gonna help you out by giving you a couple extra points but i thought it was cool uh i thought some of them were a little bit overjudged but um i thought he did a good job to be honest like it was kind of underwhelming to me in the moment. I un- I think a lot of the meaning, as you said, Esteban, like behind the dunks got lost on some of the audience in the crowd. And I think it's about putting on a show. You know, I always think of Blake Griffin with the Kia and the yeah. choir and all that. And it's like, you know, it doesn't have to be a serious thing. I thought it was great when Mac McClung brought out Shaq to dunk over Shaq. I'm like, that's it. Like, that's the headline. You dunked over Shaq. That that when you can explain the dunk yeah. in one sentence like that, I think that's really what carries a lot more weight than anything. So I give Jalen, like, all the props in the world for doing it. I give him props for his media availability yesterday when somebody asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, if no other stars do it again next year, like, F it. I'll do it again. Like, I love that he's making it something of – why are other guys in the league afraid of it? I like that attitude from Jalen a lot. I just maybe bring a little bit more of something into it because what is this, this streamer guy, Justin, like, does this guy mean anything to you? The guy sitting I, in the chair is like a YouTuber streaming at Kai Sinet or whatever his name I is. I had never heard of him until I okay, saw that. That makes I've me never feel better. Yeah. Never heard same because I'm like, is this cool? Is it are people watching this on YouTube as he probably like that? Those guys make a ton of money, but I'm like, I did see something that he's only like, he's like right around five feet, so nobody was really like impressed with it because of how short he is. Yeah, I saw a lot of people being like, okay, so Jalen Brown dunked over a child, which was my original idea with Jalen Brown dunking over Deuce. I don't even think Deuce was there, that would have been better. But was was that dunk uh, when when the guy was sitting? Was he further out than like the guys who when they were standing? It looked like he may have been a little further out, uh, or, or was that just my perception? He might have been. I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. how far he was to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. I will say, um, I know we were all very uh, grumbly about the the video floor last week. That was probably the best use of it. Was during it looked the dunk cool. Contest. It looked cool when, when you know, the Terrence Clark thing. And then Jaime Hawkins yeah. had the, the Mexican flag uh, over. And I was, I, you know, top five Mexicans of all time just based off of that alone. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so that part was cool. Um, and, but the rest of like the, the video floor thing was kind of weird. Like when they're doing the three point shootout, I don't know oh, how see, they, I, actually I don't know how they saw it. 
I like, like stand corrected. I thought, you know, granted, I was watching it at a birthday party at a bar, but like yeah. I thought it I thought it looked pretty cool during the three point contest. I was like, this is looking better than I expected it to. They were lighting it up all these neon colors and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, not always the easiest to see what's happening, but I thought for effect, maybe they don't need it. They they just like flash it at different times, you know? I just don't know how you shoot with the with the light shooting up in your eyes like that. Uh, yeah. And I wonder if, if that impacted other people's performance. I know we're, we're, we want to get into the game itself. How did y'all, well, besides the dunk contest, what did y'all like? I really liked, I thought the best event of the whole weekend was Steph versus Sabrina. Uh, yeah, that, that was That one cool. was just a lot of fun. Uh, and like they, they each had more points than the, or eat more made baskets than the, um, than than Dame, uh, who won. Yeah. I, I think I think Sabrina tied it, but uh, both had at least twenty six. That was that was wonderful. I I was that do that again. Yeah, do more. See, that's the thing is, I think if you can do some different stuff, be more creative yeah. than just hey, we're rolling out these stars who are kind of giving some effort, uh, no effort in the All Star game. Here's my question for you guys, because um, we're all slightly different ages. Like people were absolutely. Uh, losing their minds over the embarrassing lack of effort. And it's like almost a 400 point game, uh, the all-star game itself. My entire life, all I remember is people talking about how goofy the all-star game is and how stupid and meaningless it is to the point where I was going back and I was watching mid nineties highlights of all-star games to go, am I misremembering this? And I think it's all relative. It's certainly yeah. slower paced <laughs> than ever before. There's never been defense in it. Even in people say, oh, in the first quarters in the 90s, guys would actually go hard. Come on. It's yeah. the all-star game. And I don't know how you fix it. Um, maybe you put different parameters on it for your scoring to this point. Maybe you just do the Pro Bowl thing that the nfl has done where you scrap the game all together because guys just aren't going to try but right. this whole this whole conversation around that it's an utter embarrassment to basketball it was gross it was lame but it, to me it's almost always been that way as i can remember what about you guys i don't necessarily remember it being ultra competitive per se um but you go and there is like the sort of there is certain lore around it where it's like oh when Michael Jordan like went off uh, in one of his first All Star games that that's still a big moment, um, and I mean it 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 has been even though like historically not competitive all the way through I think the last few years where they instituted the Elam ending where you know it's it's a target score that worked and I'm not sure why they went away from it here because uh, it I think it's kind of clear now it with the way how the league is and how players are if you if you just try to make it a regular game like they it, it just won't work you have to put some sort of incentive uh make you have to sort of uh, institute competitiveness in, in the game um so i i think you i think one of the simple solutions here is just put back the eliminating that that makes the most sense to me how about this if you want to completely modify the game kind of like the NFL did with kind of going the flag football route. What if they made it like a big three type of thing, like a three on three tournament? Ooh, yeah. You pool all that money, right? Cause they all get a hundred thousand. I believe the winning team, you pool all that money together. And then that goes to the winning team. So you get, there's more incentive money wise. And then also it's like, 
that's going to bring like people that's going to bring out the competitive spirit. Like you look at the in-season tournament, like people were inherently like competitive with that because there was something to prove. There was something to play. And like, if you don't like, I know these picking the starters is kind of a production. So if you don't want to go for away from that, you still pick the starters, but those are the captains. So those guys then draft the reserves. So if you have to expand the, like the pool of all-stars, you do it but you'll still have your all-star starters because that's an honor. That's a production on TNT. The league makes a big deal out of it. And then you kind of make it a little bit more competitive. And I think fans will eat that up. So it would be like 10, 10 teams of three uh, on like a, a what? And I guess you could split it between two days. Yeah. That, that could make sense. Yeah. 10 te- and sense. go to like 11, like nothing crazy, but like just give some competitive nature. Like, I don't know how many people watch the new Pro Bowl this year, but. I mean, yeah, just a thought. I think it, that sounds a little bit more like of what the NHL did, right? Yes. You know, they yeah. Three on three format and we're struggling with something similar. At the end of the day, it's an exhibition match, you know, and so to pretend like it's something else. The other thing I would say is it's not really for us. <laughs> it's yeah. for it's it's a An honor. honorary weekend yeah. for players. And it's also. Uh, it's for little kids. Like a lot of it is for little kids who are into basketball. And so I got to say at some point, a six year old man who has been following the league for 50 years, it's, it may not be for that person. Uh, it, it, the nuclear option I thought about if you're Adam Silver, and I don't think I don't, I don't necessarily agree with this, but do you make it if you want to be about competitiveness? say who whichever conference wins gets home court advantage in the finals that team no matter what team it is that 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 conference gets the home court advantage this is the kind of ideas that i love because it's the same thing with the uh in-season tournament if you want this to have actual bearing the only thing that you can do is either offer a lot of money and it would have to be a lot of money for what your all-stars already make especially with the number of super max contract guys that routinely make it or it has some bearing on the playoffs, which is the real thing, the real season that matters to these guys. I think that there would be a total cluster F, like just a storm <laughs> of controversy. But maybe that's something good. Like maybe that's what the league needs a little shake of. Forget it, changing the three-point line or taking away corner yeah. threes or something. You know, we all of a sudden have some implication with the playoffs from All-Star Weekend. I I I think he could like just float it out there as a warning. He's like, listen, you do it, you do it the right way, or we're gonna do it my way, and we'll and we'll, we'll see which way, which we'll see which way you like better. Uh, I that honestly, that sounds more like a David Stern sort of a uh, Iron Fist move, but uh, who knows? Absolutely, and you'll do it with your shirts tucked in. Um, <laughs> let's move on because Terp, you wrote a great article for wei.com this week. Uh, it was about twenty five numbers. That tell the story of the Celtics season so far. You're the stat master. So you threw out a ton of stats about illustrating uh, how good the Celtics have been for this first part of the season. I have to say my favorite stat here, because it's just like so simple to illustrate who the Celtics have been. You had in here a 99.9% chance for team to for the Celtics to finish first in the East, which I like because it feels like there's some kind of company behind this stat that's saying legally you can't say there's a 100% chance. You can only say 99.9, and we will not be held liable for this. Uh, I 
the East is just not threatening to me with the Celtics. And it's not about seeding. Like, I think they're going to be first in the East. But other than the Heat, which I think the Celtics have some kind of like, I don't know, they have a voodoo doll of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown or something uh, that Pat Riley is messing with. Like, other than that, I just... We'll see with the Knicks this weekend. Terp, you're going to be there in New York in person. I can't wait to hear your account of it. All my uh, boogeymen for the Celtics live in the West. I'll put it that way. Yeah, they're 31 and six against Eastern Conference opponents. 31 and six. Like, that's incredible. And one of those losses came against Charlotte, and that was the overtime loss, which also happens to be their only loss against a sub 500 team. It's like, when I was looking through it, I was like, wow. Like, I knew they were. They were really good, but I didn't notice like just how good they were, especially in the Eastern Conference. Like, yeah, seven games is a lot, but like they are really head and shoulders above the Eastern Conference. And I don't think anyone really saw it coming that way. Like Milwaukee was a team that people kind of feared once they got Dame, and it just hasn't been that way. And I'm with you 100%. Like all their boogeymen are in the West, and it, that's why this stretch of upcoming games is going to be so crucial. Yeah, was that the number that impressed you the, the most, uh, Terp, was, was their record against the East? I think so. Yeah. When I, when I, cause like, I know they like, they only have 12 losses. So like I knew a right. handful were on the West and a lot of them were on the road at the beginning of the year, but they've only lost three at home. But like, I thought their record against the East really impressed me. Cause like, that's impressive. Like they're that, that the East is like two through sevens really, really close. And then Cleveland's obviously um, kind of climbing their way up. So I, that was the yeah. number that probably impressed me the most. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me uh, reading through that, uh, which we, again it was it was very well done, very well researched. I think it was the at the time because this was pre All Star uh, plus uh, five fifty six point differential, which I is probably higher now after last night. Uh, largest in the NBA uh, at the time. Next highest team was the Timberwolves uh, plus three ninety nine. Uh, that's nuts. That's nuts to be that far away from the second closest or from the closest team uh, with that just large of a margin of, of point differential. Um, I I that I think that was the most eye popping thing that that came out to me. It was just like wow, this team uh, not only can score on you, will stop you from scoring. Um, yeah, that was I I think that is uh, very foretelling of, of what they they can do d- down the stretch. And to give context, as we've talked about before, that stat is happening in a league where offense may be more high powered than ever before. I mean, we are like in the offensive glory days of the NBA. Uh, So check that out. If you haven't, go to WEI.com. Check out Justin Turpin's 25 numbers that, well, wait, let me get this exactly right for you, Turp. 25 numbers that tell the story of the Celtics season so far because it's really great. Um, That's it. And there's a lot more stats to crunch. But Turp, as I just said, you're going to be at uh, Madison Square Garden on Saturday to see the Celtics and the Knicks. So a game that we have been looking forward to along with that of these upcoming games and Tarp again, you just, you know, feet on the street. You've been doing the work this week, but you had a great tweet about how often the Celtics are going to be in prime time coming up, which we're all looking forward to. But of these matchups, which games are you most looking forward to for the Celtics to kind of get an indication of who they are. We've got Nuggets on March 7th. They host OKC in April. Uh, They're at the Cavs in March. They host the Knicks in April on my birthday, actually. (laughs) Might need to check that out. Uh, They play the Suns twice, and they play the Bucks twice, a home and away. 
uh, out of those games, what are you guys looking at? I, uh, this is not something I think is, um, something that can be quantified per se. And we sort of mentioned it with this idea that the Celtics boogeymen are in the West. Uh, but just looking at throughout their losses, the teams that they have seem to struggle with the most are Western contenders. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing, okay, so they have the rematch against the Nuggets. Uh, they're going to have OKC here. How do they how do they deal, deal with those teams? Um, they they lost to both of them. I think that's for me. Again, it's I don't think it's a storyline or a thread per se. Just something I've noticed that yeah, like those teams um, for whatever reason they they just have had hard times with, and they're both very good. So I think that to me uh, is going to be really interesting. And I think their their games against the Cavs and the Knicks, just because those are the two teams right now. I feel like are the most threatening to them in the East. Milwaukee. It, given all of the context, uh, the discussion around Doc Rivers this week is in a weird place. Um, so I, I think I, I would say, yeah, Nuggets and OKC, those, those are the games that I was like, you circles like this could be a finals preview right here. And I think one people might be overlooking is that one when the Warriors come to town on Sunday. I think it's March second. Oh, yeah. The Golden State Warriors come to town, and I know they're I think one game above five hundred. They've been struggling, but that's a team that beat you earlier in the year in December. And obviously that's been your big brother. Like that's a team you haven't been able to figure out since the 2022 finals, even last year when they played at TD garden, that went into overtime and it's a game that really shouldn't have went into overtime. Steph Curry did his thing. They kind of turned it back, turned the tide. So I think that's another one, really that stretch of golden state at, uh, at home against golden state, then to Cleveland, which is the two seed then at Denver, that's a tough three game stretch. And I think that's going to tell a lot about this team. Absolutely. Especially because if you look at last year, you started to see a similar kind of fall off in February. And then the, the slide really came in March. That's when the wheels came off of what was looked like a bona fide championship contender uh, at the beginning of last season. I think it's just got to be OKC for me. Like I, we talked about this weeks and weeks ago, what will it take for OKC to really have more of a national platform or more of a, a higher profile is maybe the better way to say that. And I'm excited to see SGA. Like I just, I, I love a matchup that is two greats going up against each other that you don't get to see a lot. And so seeing Tatum and SGA kind of duke it out to me, that's my number one. But, you know, okay. hey, we got spoils of riches coming up. It, it feels like the playoffs are a thousand years away, but there's a lot of good stuff in between. And we will be covering it all with you. Anything that you guys want to add? Young Terp, I'm a little nervous about you going to Manhattan for your first time as I'll be a full-blown adult. I know you're working, but just, you know, keep in mind, just because the bars stay open until 4 a.m., you do not need to be there until 4 a.m. Okay. That's right. That's Take right. it easy. Take it in stride. Remember, this is you'll be back. I promise. I did want to just want to add one thing. You mentioned the national spotlight for Oklahoma City. Can you believe that Boston OKC game is not nationally televised? It's a travesty. Can I mean, we do they, can we flex this? Wait, the upcoming one? Yeah, the upcoming one. Well, they just flexed the Cleveland one, so they can flex it. I I would have to think that one gets flexed, right? Like we've had we already had this discussion season. before. This is crazy. Like, like how is that not? Because OPC just isn't in primetime. 
they have to be after after this year. I think like we'll see a lot of changes in that. But like that's that's crazy. They haven't flexed that yet because like since December, like we've been talking that this is a potential finals preview, and it still yeah. hasn't been flexed. But they flexed the Cleveland one, so yeah, I guess we'll see. There are two pet causes for the Slam podcast. It is respect for Derek White's name and get OKC into prime time. <laughs> yes. yes. I don't know why OKC is a pet project of a Celtics podcast, but that's where we are. I like it. Uh, the last thing I'll add, uh, I have to say maybe my favorite thing from this week was bored Jason Tatum on Twitter. Uh, he's had a couple of great tweets where he like retweeted Ronaldinho in his uh, jersey. Did y'all see this on Survivor no. Turkey? Apparently, Ronaldinho, the soccer legend, made an appearance and he was in a full Jason Tatum uniform, which was weird. But then my favorite one, uh, just a few days ago, uh, Spurs Muse tweeted out list of players with 15 plus All Stars, 15 plus All NBA appearances, and 15 uh, All Defensive uh, teams. One person, Tim Duncan. Tatum retweets it just with the the caption uh him Duncan. So my two universes uh crossing over there. It was a uh, shout out shout out Jason Tatum. Who knew? Uh a huge Tim Duncan fan. Well, he gets the comparisons a lot, right? With the way that his that well the way that he carries himself, I should yeah, say. Yeah, that makes his sense. Leadership that makes sense. style. His yeah, leadership very, style very is Tim back. Duncan-esque. That's yeah. what when people ask can Tatum be a leader? Look at Tim Duncan. That's a whole other conversation. I'm sure we'll have it on this podcast. So keep on listening. Um, wherever you found us today, you can continue to find us. But YouTube, Odyssey app, Spotify, uh, follow us on Twitter. We're not on the Instagram, but we will be on the Instagram, like the old Facebook uh, at some <laughs> point. I promise. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>